Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello and welcome to Compliance Clarified, a podcast for risk and compliance professionals brought to you by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Each week we discuss news stories and topical issues from our journalists and analysts in the US, Europe, Asia and Australia. I'm Alexander Robson coming to you today from London and I'm speaking to Lindsay Rogerson and Rachel Walcott, both senior editors at Regulatory Intelligence in London. Hello. Hi, Alex. Hi, Rachel. Hello. To kick off the fifth episode of season eight, we're discussing Lindsay and Rachel's special report on the UK Financial Conduct Authority's approach to whistleblowing and whistleblowers. The regulator has been criticized by parliamentarians for what they view as a weak whistleblowing regime. In 2019, the FCA's failure to protect whistleblowers and take their disclosures seriously was discussed in a parliamentary debate. After that, the FCA board commissioned a review of its whistleblowing offering, which was delayed by the pandemic and published in May this year. The self-assessment found whistleblowers were dissatisfied with the FCA's offering. In response, it has set out some changes it is going to make to improve whistleblowers' experience. Lindsay, May you tell us about the self-assessment process? Yes, of course, Alex. So this was, as you said, first requested by the FCA board back in 2019, and then there's been a delay because of COVID. So it finally got underway and published last month. So what the board originally asked for was a qualitative assessment of the experience of whistleblowers. And so what the FCA did was they selected 68 whistleblowers who had made protected disclosures in the calendar years 2021 and 2022 to take part in the survey. 21 of those completed the survey and the FCA said, well, that's a response rate of 30%. um, We're happy with that. However, you just step back for a second. In 2021, the regulator received a total of 1,025 protected disclosure reports and In 2022, it received 1,086 reports. The survey is actually based on 1% of all people who made whistleblowing reports to the regulator in in 2021 and 2022. So certainly as a journalist, if somebody had told me the survey was based on 1%, I wouldn't be reporting that survey in normal circumstances. So that's the first thing to say. The FCA has then been under an extended period of internal consultation and reflection is what it told us. Um, And the approach that Rachel is about to speak to um, and what they've decided to do um, is is based on that. Rachel, what has been the response to the uh, FCA's proposals? Well, it wasn't the new proposals for new offering for whistleblowers wasn't uh, universally dismissed, but nor was it well received by those campaigning for better whistleblowing protections and working in parliament to change the UK's whistleblowing laws. Baroness Susan Kramer spoke to us and she said the changes were the least possible action the FCA could take and did nothing to strengthen the protections for whistleblowers. Um, She said the FCA's attitude to whistleblowers is a cultural issue and that the FCA views whistleblowing disclosures as a complaint system So not really a venue for raising serious concerns, which is what whistleblowing is all about. Kramer said to us, and I quote, 
the latest attempt by the FCA to encourage whistleblowing is another good example of an organization that has learned nothing about the value of whistleblowers to the fight against financial crime. These, quote, improvements, unquote, mirror previous failed attempts to improve the FCA's poor reputation with whistleblowers. And in addition to uh, Baroness Kramer's uh, sharp words, there were some comments about the FCA's lack of empathy towards whistleblowers and how it should be doing more for individuals who put their careers on the line to report misconduct. I'm going to inject the FCA statement here. The FCA told us, quote, our survey was designed to understand whistleblowers' experience of reporting to the FCA. It has helped us look again at how we can support whistleblowers. We recognize that it is difficult for whistleblowers to see they are being taken seriously and listened to if they do not receive fuller feedback on what we have done with the concerns they have raised with us. We are determined to address this perception given the value we place on whistleblowers, unquote. Rachel. Yeah, that's what the FCA says. It's a perception problem. But on top of uh, the criticism from Baroness Kramer and others, we found the FCA is not doing what it promised to do in its survey response. It said it was going to share more information on how it uses whistleblowers' information. But we, what we found was that as recently as March, it told a whistleblower who complained about their treatment that the FCA was prevented from sharing any information with him about whether action was or was not taken. So this report comes out in May about their new whistleblowing offering, but in March, they're telling a whistleblower that they can't tell this person anything. And on top of that, we've seen instances where the FCA has told whistleblowers, and this is within the last few weeks, so after the publication of the whistleblowing report, the new whistleblowing offering that, so it's been telling whistleblowers that quote, it will be for a court or tribunal to decide whether the disclosures made or qualifying disclosures are not. And that because uh, if a person declares themselves as a whistleblower to an employer, it is not clear how the FCA can provide any protection under the regime as a whistleblower. And Lindsay will pick up on this more, but the FCA here is telling whistleblowers it can't protect them if they disclose their identity to their employer. And I think a lot of people would be disinclined to blow the whistle if they knew that. Yeah, Lindsay, you received some further information about the FCA's performance on whistleblowing just after the special report was published. What does that say? Yes. Um, so the day the special report appeared, I got a response to my FOI. Um, it's an update on one I've been doing since 2019. Basically, I asked for an update on the assessment of whistleblowing reports that the regulator had received in 2019, 2020, 2021, and for the addition of 2022 data. Um, so the headlines are that the FCA has assessed just 20% of the whistleblowing or, um, reports it received in 2022 so far. Um, so in 2022, it received uh, 1,089. Um, so that is actually worse than the 25% of whistleblowing reports from 2021 it had assessed by the same point last year. 
It also revealed that 134 reports from 2019, uh, 240 reports from 2020, and 408 reports from 2021 had still not been fully assessed. Um, you know, the FCA says that cases can be complicated to assess. You know, fair enough, I'm sure they are. Um, but cases from four years ago remain open, and the proportionally fewer cases have been assessed this year than last year does seem at odds with the FCA's narrative that it values whistleblowing intelligence. The revamp we're talking about here is the second in as many years, um, but the FOI data suggests that it's this team is still not, or the whistleblowing functionality at the FCA is still not functioning effectively. Um, so one thing maybe on the horizon here is the the, the team sits in enforcement and market oversight, um, which uh, regular listeners will know is the last division of the FCA to undergo its transformation process. Um, and the first of stages of that is that um, legal has been separated off from it. And we now have two co-executive directors in charge of enforcement and whistleblowing sits in that in that team. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. And certainly it's one that the FCA board appear to be watching if you read the minutes like we do of the board meetings and so that was mentioned in the April board minutes. Rachel, the the FCA seems to have changed its tune on principle 11 disclosures in the instances where a whistleblower is in an employment tribunal. What was its position and what is it saying now? Okay, well let's just review what principle 11 is and does. Principle 11 uh, is one of the FCA conduct of business requirements that requires a firm to deal with its regulators in an open and cooperative way and to disclose to the FCA appropriately anything relating to the firm of which the FCA would reasonably expect to notice. Prior to our questioning uh, a few weeks ago, the FCA's stance had been that a firm only need make a principle 11 disclosure about an employment tribunal if it loses a case. This seemed a bit strange given the kind of retaliation that whistleblowers often um, receive from firms, which uh, Lindsay has reported on extensively over the last few years. Uh, It might be a way to uh, suppress uh, a whistleblower's disclosure and you know make a bad atmosphere for other people blowing the whistle that if an F- a whistleblower is driven out of the firm and lands in an uh, employment tribunal, the firm doesn't even have to tell the FCA about it. Now, we spoke to some former FCA supervisors uh, who queried the FCA stance about only needing to make a print 11 disclosure when a uh, firm loses an employment tribunal case, they said they would expect a firm to notify them under principle 11 if it was involved in an employee tribunal uh, involving a claim of mistreatment of a whistleblower, which is a breach of FCA rules. Uh, we also asked them about making uh, disclosures uh, when there's an employment tribunal case uh, that overlaps with ongoing enforcement action and supervisors, so former supervisors said to us, yes, of course, firms should make uh, 
disclosures in those instances. So this is something that um, we've talked about on previous podcasts um, with the Santander case. Lindsay and I put these points about print 11 to the FCA. And now it says that if an employment tribunal case involves detriment to a whistleblower, a firm should make a print 11 disclosure. And that is a big change. Firms need to tell the FCA about these cases now. They can't keep quiet and hope that they win a case, making you know their attempt to silence the whistleblower successful and avoid looking into the issues that the whistleblower has raised. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Lindsay, you reported on an employment tribunal in 2018, and this involved uh, a senior uh, FX trader, John Banerjee, in which the bank was found to have discriminated against him because of his whistleblowing. Have we seen any enforcement action as a result? Um, To date, uh, the answer is no. Um, I think it might be helpful to read for listeners SYSC 18.3.9, which is one of the, which is the pertinent uh, causing detriment to a whistleblower part of the FCA's rules. So it says... The FCA would regard as a serious matter any evidence that the firm had acted to the detriment of a whistleblower. Such evidence could call into question the fitness and propriety of the firm or relevant members of its staff and could therefore, if relevant, affect the firm's continuing satisfaction of threshold five condition, which is suitability, or for an approved person or a certificated employee, their status as such. You know, so let's be clear here. An employment tribunal finding that a firm has caused detriment to a whistleblower is a legal finding of fact. So this case should have been a slam dunk for the FCA in regards to the firm. An employment tribunal judgment is a legal finding of fact. And there is one here that was published in May 2018, which said RBS called detriment to Banerjee. Um, because of his whistleblowing. And just just again, for those that aren't familiar with proving whistleblowing at a tribunal, it's it's a twofold status, okay? So you have to first prove that you made protected disclosures, and then you have to prove that the detriment you suffered was because of those disclosures. So the tribunal has already ruled that John Banerjee was mistreated because of his whistleblowing. So that is, you know, if you if if we just recap eighteen point three point nine again, you know, it's hard to see how that is not a slam dunk for somebody investigating this. And to be fair here, um, in our article we did check with RBC, and I'm going to read what they said at the time. They said they do we do not discuss matters concerning our regulators. RBC supports a culture where employees are able to speak up without fear of retaliation or recrimination. So that was their statement when I asked them if they were under investigation um, by uh, the regulator. The last evidence I have that they were under investigation was a letter I saw from Mark Stewart 
then Executive Director of Enforcement in 2019. So we're again now in 2023 and there's no outcome from that. So that's that's one thing about employment tribunals. The other thing that our reporting has uncovered is, I would say, really concerning and worrying. Um, we're not sure that the FCA is actually checking for detriment to a whistleblower under its own rules. So we've seen a, a couple of letters from the FCA which state that the FCA's responsibility to whistleblowing ends with an anonymity. So if they choose to say who they are, then that's where the FCA's responsibility ends. And one of those was actually to an MP. But this is not what their own rules say. You know, SYS, I sound like a stock record, I appreciate that, but SYSC 18.3.9 makes clear that the FCA should be investigating reports of mistreatment as a result of whistleblowing. And we've seen just no evidence of that. So if I go back to some of the FOIs on whistleblowing that I've I've submitted over the years, um, I have an FOI, FOIs that show that the FCA received 206 whistleblowing complaints under Section 8, SYSC 18 in the three years to 2021. Um, so that's over 200 complaints. So they, those reports, whistleblowing reports about problems with whistleblowing, at their firm, um, and I know at least some of these are about people being mistreated, yet we have seen no firm or individual sanctioned under SYSC 18 ever, and it came into force in 2016. Yeah, I just want to dive in with a quick comment, which is the FCA does enforcement action sometimes to make a point and to take on themes. So one of the recent themes has been market abuse, financial crime, but we haven't seen anything on CISC 18. But Rachel, the FCA's report included responses that indicated a possible breach of SYSC 18 rules. Is the regulator following up on those? Um, No. Uh, The survey responses showed some whistleblowers made disclosures to the FCA because they didn't feel safe to speak up internally, their concerns hadn't been taken seriously, or there were no internal channels to make um, protective disclosures. All of these reasons indicate internal problems with firm CISC-18 compliance and not having an internal channel to make a whistleblowing disclosure is a breach of CISC-18. The FCA said though it wasn't going to follow up on these uh, issues because the survey responses were anonymous. However, as Lindsay mentioned, the survey cohort was handpicked by the FCA and it told us that it went back to some respondents with follow-up questions. So uh, I'm not sure why they're not following up. Reporting also showed that firms are not giving whistleblowers the feedback about reportable concerns, which is required by CISC 18, which says where feasible, well, it says you're supposed to record the protected disclosures and record what you do to follow up and investigate them. And in addition, you should be disclosing this to the whistleblower where feasible. In practice, firms don't give this feedback, especially when a whistleblower is in an employment tribunal setting. So that's another way firms can 
um, suppress whistleblowers and their disclosures by just simply saying, we're not showing you, this doesn't exist, it never happened. Now, the FCA reviewed firm CISC-18 compliance in 2018, and at that time, it said it found some good practice and it found some room for improvement. One of those was about uh, regards to retaliation against whistleblowers. It said it checks CISC-18 compliance as part of its routine supervision, but as Lindsay says, um, it's never taken enforcement against a firm for non-compliance. And in the one recent case, enforcement case that did involve a whistleblower, um, that was uh, the Barclays case, that wasn't a enforcement action on CISC-18 systems and control failures. That was on a the FCA code of conduct failure. Well, finally, Lindsay, where are we now with potential change to whistleblowing laws in the UK? The uh, business minister, Kevin Hollenrake, launched a review in March, expected to report at the end of this year. Um, what, 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 what's, what's, what's it say? Um, so at the moment, it just, it just actually says, it says that there's a, it's, it's seeking feedback um from both firms and individuals of their experiences and it's not just it's not just confined to the financial services um area sector it's it's on all of the across all sectors um so one of the reasons for doing this is the UK's whistleblowing laws are now very very out of date they're decades old um and had we had Brexit not happened or and or actually where the line for what we took from Europe as we left, then we would have had the EU whistleblowing directive in place. And to Rachel's point um, about feedback to whistleblowers, um, what firms are required to do, that has very clear timelines and they're very short timelines as well for uh, turning around the the substance of the whistleblowing report. Um, And that goes back to um, the individual who made the report as well as to the firm. So we're we're very much out of step now with... um, with best practice and Kevin Hollingrake uh, has been a business minister for I think about a year now maybe just slightly less than that but previously he chaired the um, all-party parliamentary working group on um, business banking he he said at an event that Rachel and I were both at at the House of Parliament a couple of weeks ago he's never seen a case in relation to mistreatment of business banking customers by their banks. He's never seen a case uh, that didn't involve whistleblowing reports that weren't followed up or weren't followed up for years. And so let that, you know, the sort of thing. So he is, he's very focused on whistleblowing. It has been for for some time. And he um, has personal experience of some of his constituents um, who have basically blown the whistle in their field. And it's been a career ending, uh, career ending event because you get blacklisted, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that certainly gels with um, all of the whistleblowers that I have dealt with. You know, that it is, you are blackballed, you know, whether you are established your whistleblower status or not, that it, it is career ending. And so it, it, one of the things that um, Mr. Holly Rake said that he wanted to see come about as a result of the review would be um, not only measures to you know, really clamp down on retaliation, but actually to uh, restoration, basically, an acknowledgement that you know these, you know, uh, you, being a whistleblower can end your career. So that's that's something to look 
for when it comes to later this year. But in the meantime, you know, I do not think that that should allow the FCA to sit back and not use its own powers that it already has, rather than saying, well, we need other powers, because its powers are quite clearly set out. And as Baroness Kramer says, they need to start using them. Well, thank you. That's it for this week's Compliance Clarified. Your feedback is important to us. So please give us a rating on your podcasting platform of choice. Or you can get in touch directly. Our contact details are in the show notes. For more information about regulatory intelligence, please search for Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence or check the show notes for a link. Compliance Clarified. A podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.